so we'll see how this goes. That's the closet where you keep all your boomerangs, right? Yes, my murder boomerangs. Hunting boomerangs! Minds at York. I'm Megan. My name is Alex. And I be Tim. R. All right. How are you doing, boys? <laughs> wow. I'm pretty good. I'm a little. I'm a little piratey. How are you? And <laughs> it's not even talk like a pirate day. <laughs> that is this month, though. It's in September. I thought it was in February. No, because you shiver me Septembers. No, there's something pirately related in February. Who's going to cave and Google this? I will. I'm okay. the one who Googles. At least I did a lot of Googling in episode one, which I listened back to. Yay. So this episode, while Alex is Googling pirate facts, uh, is going to essentially be our recap episode. We were going to discuss the series as a whole. Um our relationship change from the beginning to the end with the book. And also we read the first audiobook. I'm sorry, we listened to the first audiobook. And Alex also apparently listened to the first episode, which I'm sure is going to give us a lot of good Tim theories and uh, questions. Probably not that, good ones. That, Probably um, not good ones. <laughs> for the entire series. Um, and I do have something that Tim requested, and I'm not sure if he remembers. So, in February, by which I mean from mid-January through early March, you do have the Gasparilla Pirate Festival in Tampa. Yeah, that's not what I was thinking of. But International Talk Like a Pirate Day is September 19th. Well, I was definitely thinking about Gasparilla. There is something that happens in February that makes me just absolutely happy, and I cannot think of what it is. And when I do, I will be so happy to remember it. Is it your birthday? Not at all. (laughs) That's the opposite of being happy. Opposite. Is it Tim's birthday? (laughs) Um, Only from the standpoint that I then remember the Limetown episode and laugh, (laughs) and that is the only reason. When all those people disappeared on my birthday. It's not necessarily Without a trace. that fact. It's the fact that you got so mad at me. Uh, all right. So let's start with the audiobook. How did we feel about... Huh, I don't know where I want to start with this. Let's talk about the narrator first. Are this we not going to first... make... Are we not going to make Tim recap the book? Tim, <laughs> can you recap I can. book one? I can. Um... Jake and his buddy Marco are at the mall, and then they meet Tobias, and then they catch up with Cassie and Rachel, and then they go through the modern ruins, uh, and then an alien spaceship lands, and boom, dying blue alien, and then another alien spaceship comes down, but right before that happens, the kids get the ability to morph, uh, then they go hide, then they run away, and there's human controllers, and the human controllers don't know who the kids are, so they spend the rest of the book trying to get the kids, trying to figure out who they are, and then uh, the Animorphs break into the Yerk pool, and they 
you know, turn into animals and then chaos ensues. And then they go back home and Tobias is a bird. They also figure out that Jake's brother is a controller. Yeah. Good they also Tom. go to a sharing meeting. Yeah. I'm going to give this re- this summary that you've done <laughs> yeah. without writing down yeah. a solid B minus. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe C plus, I'm, but it's I'm, hard. I'm, so I'm going to let you have the extra point up to a solid B just for getting the modern ruins called. <laughs> <laughs> So like, it, uh, it's hard because I listen to audiobooks when I drive, and so there's no way to make notes. I realized later, I was like, normally I do this as I read, and then I'm like, like, oh, I didn't make notes at all on this. I appreciate that, like, the first maybe, like, third of the book had a lot of detail in your summary, and then you're like, <laughs> and then they go down to the Urkel, the end. <laughs> it, it felt like a very, very good uh, middle grade book review. Yeah. Yeah. Book report, yeah. So uh, I'm I'm just going to say that there is no way, at least not in the near future, that I could go back and reread this book series. This book was entirely too much to handle after knowing <laughs> how everything happens. Like, it was just a fun little goofy, you know, book that Meg and Alex made me read uh, the first time. This time it was like, I'm, argu- I'm getting literally frustrated and, like, concerned for these people because everything they say... You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. So um, I'd like to take this moment just to, uh, in a single episode segment, a recurring segment, we're going to call Tim Eats His Words. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would like to, Tim, remind you of a couple of comments you made. Okay. In our very first episode. Oh, no. When asked what you thought of the book, you said... It's not a bad read. It's not a bad book. It's obviously not for someone in my age group, but that's fair. <laughs> it's probably still accurate, though. <laughs> a few minutes later, you'd say, because of the sort of lack of consequences in the rest of oh, the story, no. mostly with the brother, everything sort of gets returned to how it was. I just assumed the brother was going to die, and then he didn't. No. So I'm like... <laughs> Okay, so that's how this is going to go. I kind of felt like you'd get 10 pages into the next book and Tobias wouldn't be a bird anymore. Oh. <laughs> do you uh, do you stand by that? No. I, whatever the furthest position away from that. I, like, oh. this book, like, it, it was harder rereading the first book than it probably was the first time through the entire series for me. Because you get lines like, what are we going to do? Blow up the Yerk pool? Yeah. No, of course not. Oh, man. It's like Marco looked at, at Jake and says, well, what if you have to destroy Tom? And I was like, why would you say that? <laughs> Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Yeah. Maybe I'll also have to kill my hot cousin. Yeah. <laughs> and if you this know, episode just ends up being me laughing the whole time, I think I'm going to be just absolutely delighted. <laughs> he, he talks about how strong Rachel is and how... Like, in the first, like, two pages of the book, or two, what, first chapter, he talks about what a great, how, how great Marco is, is picking up video game strategy without, like, practicing a whole bunch. And I was like, it's all right here in the first book. <laughs> and I had no idea. Yeah, like, at some point, give yourself some time. Get yeah. some separation from it. And then, like, yeah, like, I'd say in a year or so, pick it up and reread the entire series and just... I did not remember at all. 
like not even a bit the affection that Tobias has for being a bird when he first turns into a bird. Oh yeah. Like it like it's just so obvious now. It's weird to imagine him as a human. Yeah. The thing that struck me in this first book, I feel like we talked about it in even book two, maybe. But the number of times it's already clear that like there is some connection between Tobias and Rachel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she's immediately protective of him. She sides with him in arguments. He perches on her shoulder when he lands. Yeah, it's pretty great. Like, I kind of think maybe they were already sort of flirting with each other before this book started. Yeah. They had to have. Like, and and Jake is, I think, very classical boy and, like, just didn't ever notice. Yeah. yeah. It would, ex- I mean, I said it, book he, two or three, whenever, it would explain why she already had a picture of him in her nightstand. Yeah. True. Um, he even makes a comment about it being weird. That Tobias lands on Rachel's shoulder and says, he just seemed fine with it. You know, no big deal. Yeah, Yeah, the, like, of all people, why Rachel's shoulder kind of vibe. I did not remember that at all. I don't know what I expected rereading this. And I don't, I, I feel like this happens every time I read it where I'm like, I expect you to feel so young and feel so hopeful. And yet it already feels so complicated. Way more than the first time. Way more. There was... Yes. Yeah, way more. So I think I'm in a little different position with my relationship to this book. Okay. Because I went through it so many times getting ready for Alternomorphs. True. Like, it and the actual Alternomorphs based on it. That I kind of have... I mean, my notes are basically just every beat of this book broken down into a tabletop RPG session. True. Um, I think rereading it or listening to it has helped sort of right after the finale recontextualize some stuff. But I mean, beat by beat, I, I have this thing like in my head tight going into it again. Oh yeah. No, I, I had none of it. Apparently it was so different revisiting it than it was the first time reading it. Less bocce ball than I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember night beach bocce ball being a thing. And fucking alternomorphs. <laughs> Shout out to Ian, though, who was in the Discord recently asking, like, <laughs> was that alternomorphs? I distinctly remember bocce ball in something. <laughs> um, no, I appreciate how quick they make Jake the leader. Yeah. And the I reasoning th- behind it. I do I feel think... like that gets lost. Sorry. No, no, no. Sorry, you're good. Um I was gonna say to to, to kinda answer your question, I do think maybe the thing that does strike me as most Oh, they were so young is how afraid Jake is in this book. Yes. Yes. Like I think the biggest change is just how desensitized to the terror of all of it he becomes. I would say the fear changes. It changes from fear to of what's to come or what's to happen to fear of what have I done. Sure. Yeah, like in this, he's remorseless about killing the homeless man. 
Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That was a big moment when I got there. I was like, I remember yeah. that. Let's be honest. Like, it wasn't. Th- no, there was more remorse than if someone playing Jake had yeah. killed. I, 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 it man. was slightly more graphic when I did it. I think. <laughs> well, that's because we also we also gave more uh, context by making him look like an off-brand George Clooney. Oh, that's where the George Clooney came from. Okay. <laughs> I think actually in a, in Alternomorphs, I went back and and like instead of just running and and leaving him like Jake did, I went back and did something to him. Like it was probably it was but yeah, it it making a note to get Tim tested for sociopathic tendencies. Thank you. <laughs> um you asked a question earlier, Meg, and we completely ignored it. That was how did we feel about the narrator and the audiobook? So going back to episode one, how quickly did you guys start ignoring my question? <laughs> um, not a lot of that in episode one. Now, I can tell you that the very first thing we did was bully Tim. That's fair. And the second thing we did was make fun of him for being afraid to do this after the first thing we had done was bully him. <laughs> do you feel desensitized at this point? Uh, no, it still very much hurts me inside. Oh, Every epi- No, I'm totally kidding. But, uh, no. yeah. <laughs> no, I, he, he's dead inside now. Yeah. <laughs> this is why he steals my last paper towel yes. and doesn't replace my paper without, towels. Without remorse. Without remorse. <laughs> I can also tell everybody that the first time Meg said, I hate all of you. <laughs> Go okay. Was at the 25 minute, 44 second mark. Jesus, that is early. The second time was around the 29 minute mark. <laughs> then they, they just started flowing from there. And at 3208, <laughs> Meg says, my heart hurts so much. <laughs> oh, so early. So... Okay, going back to my question, how did you guys feel about the narrator? I feel like his narration was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I would give him an A on narration. I would give him a B, B minus on voice acting. Okay. I think his Jake and his Marco were pretty good. His Tobias was okay sometimes and sometimes I think Tobias was a stoner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rachel was okay but sounded just a little bit like teenage boy mocking a teenage girl. Yeah. Yes. Cassie man, I don't know where that came from. Cassie sounds Cassie sounds like Jim Dale doing uh uh oh who's the weird Hufflepuff or weird Ravenclaw Luna. Luna Sounds like Jim Dale's Luna Lovegood in those audiobooks. And it's like, that's not Cassie. Um, She's just so timid. Um, I did not like the Jake. I thought the Jake sounded like a 40-year-old dude. And so that was a little bit off. But I can tell you that this guy's elf, Fangor, was amazing to me. Or as you say, as he says... Elfangor, Serenial Shamtul. Yeah, that was. I was like, have, are we like way off on that pronunciation, or is that how it's supposed to be? That and Hork Bajir drove me nuts. Oh, every oh. time he said Hork, Hork Bajir? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like there's a D in Bajir, Hork Bajir. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There was something in this. Is, this is my biggest serious criticism 
Um, and I don't know if it's going to be this way in the other audiobooks narrated by other people. There was something, I'm going to call it generically foreign, about every evil alien voice. And when I say that, I mean like, if you're watching a movie from the early 2000s and they don't want to be super specific about whether the bad guys are foreign Soviet Union or Middle Eastern or oh, okay. Eastern European, just with those very like sharp vowel sounds and drawn out vowel sounds, like that's the kind of vibe of just generally xenophobic that every bad alien gave off in this book. And I was not here for that. I can see that now. I don't think that occurred to me when I was listening to it, but I, I can I can hear that now when I think back to to a Visser's voice. Yeah, well, it, his Hork-Bajir voices were, like, even more pronounced. Well, that's true. I think I was just hung up on the pronunciation of the Hork-Bajir Same. L- yeah. language yeah. that I didn't even really catch the voices all that much. I didn't dislike him. Um, I think I, out of the three of us have listened to more YA or middle grade geared audiobooks and um he does not sound that old to me i okay. think he does it well but i will agree like his tobias drove me up a wall like yeah. towards the middle i was like my dude <laughs> the, you're gonna need to stop the place where and it's probably gonna be the same for you since you just said towards the middle the place where the tobias to me was the most out there was in the scene in Jake's bedroom morphing for the first time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, we also haven't said his name. His name is McLeod Andrews. McLeod. McLeod. Whatever. I can read my handwriting. Um, <laughs> um I also went ahead and listened to a few minutes of the other narrators because at this point I think we are up to 12 cool. that have been released. I know 10 have officially been released. I feel like it's been 12 and I'm not 100% sure. Maybe 11 and 12 come out this month. When you say other narrators, so each, like this guy will return for each Jake book is what we're... Yes. Okay. Okay. But Rachel, Tobias, Marco... They all have their own. Cassie and Axe have their own. Okay. Um, I really liked... Tobias's, he almost sounds like the guy who uh, played him in the show to me. Okay. And I, Rachel's, it's fine. I don't actually like have a distinct memory of Rachel, so it's fine. Um, I like the Marcos. I don't care for the axe narrator. Either I would need to listen to more, but that would be the narrator that I feel like sounds old compared to Hmm. um, everybody else. The so. the I wonder I want to I want to go listen to that a little bit now because one of the things I noticed in this and remember wondering was both Andalites in this book had very low gravelly voices. Yes. Does the reason X sounds too old maybe come from just their throwing Andalite voices low? No, like, I think the narrator, like, okay. I don't think he's throwing a voice. I think he just sounds deep. Gotcha. Um, it also doesn't help that I recently watched 
the show to the point where Axe comes and like the actor that plays Axe and his voice I feel is very distinct and so mm. hearing something different was was kind of a a shock but knowing that like I feel like that would have I would have felt something similar to every narrator and I do really like that they appear to have gotten a Hispanic author or, sorry Hispanic audio narrator for Marco's book and cool. a black woman for Cassie's books so cool. I do think that they did a lot of say research which doesn't necessarily feel right um they cast appropriately yes yeah yes did you say that you'd watch the show up until x came appears yes so is that what we're doing now we're just going to watch the tv show without tim just left behind on the tv show here i own season one and season two and will happily watch them with Either of you, I really do. Both of you want to make time. I want to. I want to see how that that goes. We do. I do need to. Yes, I watched it without. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I want to I want to just be real clear. Like I didn't hate the voice acting in this by any means. I think. Oh yeah. No. Anything that was just red, especially like I felt that was really well acted. It was just, and I think at some level. Everyone is so different in this book that unless you actually produced with a full voice cast, right? Each book, it's going to be hard for anyone to get sure. every character. Sure, there's um, I've done enough audiobooks that like sometimes you can even tell like when it's the narrator that is the issue you're having with the book. Yeah, and I don't feel that that is the case here. Oh no, I not think at all. That that we're being very nitpicky because of our love for this, the series. Um, but he's done a couple other YA books that I enjoy. So like, well, like I heard his voice and I was like, this sounds familiar and like went to look at his stuff and, and does seem to fall into the sci-fi fantasy YA. Also Charlotte's web. I looked him up afterward. He really? did the audiobook for Charlotte's web. Um, I was going to say something else and I'm totally blanking on what it is. Oh, thought speak. That's the only thing about it that I, that, I've been pondering because there's no distinct difference in conversations that are spoken versus thought speak. And I don't know how you go about doing that other than like adding some kind of tone or something to it. But it was, especially in these earlier books where there is a bigger mixture, I feel like. Yeah. Um, or like where, where morphine is more, distinct i guess is what i'm trying to say it's not such an active part of like by the end they can morph like five different animals in 10 minutes so it's like it's (laughs) just a thing by the end and so like i don't think it would bother me by the end to know the difference between the two as where especially a book where the whole thing is is where where's tobias yeah and i couldn't gauge that or like definitely when they're down in the york pole and it's like are they morphed? Is he human? There's no distinction there. Maybe. Yeah, I think the Yerk pull section in particular does really blur it. But you're right. Other than like bending the tone and adding some kind of echo and yeah. producing it that way. Yeah. I don't know how you do that. So, moving a little bit away from the audiobook, you've now sat with this entire series read for couple weeks 
How are you feeling about it? It, it? So, I feel like... Like, I enjoyed it a lot more, and there was a whole lot more depth than I guess I had thought after hearing my my <laughs> predictions from the first one. I'm sorry, I'm getting an alert here in my earpiece. That's oh, our no. producer telling me it's time again for Tim Eats His Words. <laughs> We're I'm quoting fair noise for this. Once again, Tim from episode one. I would be very, very concerned if the biggest villain in this book was the assistant to the assistant to the <laughs> viscer. Only two people die, and I'm in charge. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> In fairness, he was not the assistant to the assistant to the viscer at the end of this. He had been promoted to. Two people died and he was in charge. (laughs) (laughs) Although, to counter your point, Tom was arguably an even bigger villain at the end. This is true. And he wasn't even a sub-visser. Yeah. I am so... Well, also, that's a different Yerk. That's true. That is a different Yerk at that point. But Cryak... Cryak is the real villain, right? I mean, come That's on. That's debatable. It's the real, it's debatable. the real enemy here. I think you're thinking of the one. The only. Ivan? <laughs> Wait, is that Ivan Shit. at the end of book no. 54? <laughs> Ivan goes on to become a, a sentient computer monster Borg thing? So, end of the series, who is your favorite character? Uh, in all honesty, probably Marco. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that stayed pretty consistent throughout. Because yeah. I feel like Marco was a very early contender for you as well. I can so like... I wrote down everyone's answers to this question in book one. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. We asked this? I don't even remember that. You yeah. did. <laughs> okay. So, Tim, you say Marco now? Yes. Do you remember? Can you, can you put yourself back in a mid-2018 headspace to remember who your favorite was then? I would think it would have been Marco, but I do not remember at all. It was Tobias. Was it really? Yes. I that blows honest, me like, away. Like I, I, It doesn't for me. I feel like Tobias is in some ways a lot relatable to you. So when you said Marco, I was like, okay, that's fair. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Incidental, incidentally, that's what Tim said then, that Tobias was the most relatable. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like we should put a note like I knew Alex listened to episode one. I did not listen to episode one. Yeah. Um and had the only there's only like one question that I knew would be asked and none of this is like actually okay. planned. Yeah. This is all just happy accidents. Sixty something books later, not relatable. Not <laughs> yeah. He's had really? some he's had some life experiences that I'm just never gonna understand. <laughs> You mean you haven't been tortured, trapped as a bird, found out that your father was an alien, that your mother doesn't remember you and loves her dog more, and then had to watch your girlfriend die after fighting off a bunch of aliens turned into animals? Yeah. No. After killing her cousin. You know what? After literally biting her cousin's head off and spitting it out? You know what I do want to go listen to now? Like, right now, because you you just mentioned that, about how he had to watch his girlfriend die. 
Uh, the, I want to go listen to the book where there was the possible evil Rachel future with the, the Toby back ribs. Uh-huh. So book seven. Book seven. Yeah, I want to go back and listen to book seven like desperately and compare what was actually in that that future. Okay, that's okay. well. Tobias was dead and Rachel was. <laughs> I alive. know. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too soon. Okay, Alex, who was your favorite book one, and is it still the same now? So I gave two answers. Partly because I didn't want to spoil something for Tim. Okay. Um, so what was... Okay. I had said, of the ones in the book, uh, and as a kid, okay. probably Tobias. But, as I put it in the episode, there's a character we hadn't met yet who definitely was my answer as a kid, and that was Axe. That yeah. was that was the... I remember that. That was the Green Ranger thing. Yes. Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> At this point, though... I'm going to say Cassie, surprising yeah. nobody. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. no. I, I am actually more surprised that your original answer wasn't Cassie. Because you became such a, like, a firm Cassie supporter oh, yeah. in this, this podcast. This is definitely a big difference between Kid Alex and Adult Alex. Kid Alex would have, just because of age and experience and place in time in the late 90s, early aughts, kind of been dismissive of Cassie probably. That's fair. Yeah. I think that's an incredibly valid thing. I think Cassie is an incredibly complex character that is a bit hard to grasp. Not to say that not all of them are, but her defining points or moments or characteristics are subtle compared to everybody else. Well, and I think too, like I was raised in a very politically conservative household in a very politically conservative town that elected Marjorie fucking Taylor Greene. I had some growing to do as a human, I think, to be able to buy into much of anything Cassie says. Uh, Meg, you named as your favorite, Rachel. (laughs) Okay. Has that changed? no yeah rachel still is my ride or die that being said i don't feel that she has my favorite story arc like rachel is my favorite character because i think i still relate to her the most and i also think she's done dirty that 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 still hasn't changed um not that she dies i i still firmly believe that there wasn't an alternative for rachel rachel alive after a war would have become destructive. She would have likely become a villain in her own way. Yeah. Um, or would have gone off with the Andalites to, like, she would have been on the ship with Axe. Right. Like, you couldn't get her out of war. Um, I think my favorite character arc, though, is Jake. Mm. Um, as much of an idiot as he is, I think that he changes the most and experiences things that I think are super important the most. Because at the end, I think at Marco, Cassie, and Tobias's core, I don't think changes as where I feel like Jake actually does. Mm. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely 
whatever I thought of Jake's story after 53 books, after 54, it was definitely about a million times. I like just I love that path. Mm-hmm. The the path of like okay now I don't don't belong I don't know where to be okay here's a thing now I you know what I'm saying like I I loved it I loved Marco too so Meg do you remember which books you said were your least favorite probably Cassie books uh well actually neither of these is a Cassie book you had said books two and three. Oh yes, I I did not like two and three um, as a kid. Um, I still have a weird hang up about them. Like you said that, and I was like, oh yeah, those aren't great. They are great though. Yeah. Like I, someone recently was like, can you put down a list of what you feel are the most important books in the series? Like if you want to read a condensed version of this series, what books do you feel are most important? And I think you can make the argument that the first ten or eleven are absolutely crucial and you can't remove them. There's a good chunk of the like late twenties through thirties that I feel like can be wiped out. Yeah. I think a lot of once the ghost writers come in, you can, yeah. you can kind of pick and choose more. Was it? Yes. Was it three? Three was the book where we found out like, you know, we talked about it getting dark. Three was the one where it was like, okay, buckle up. Right. I mean, yeah. I have the exact quote here. It was, <laughs> I will say, in my opinion, I think book two is the weakest in the entire series. Book two and book three are my least favorite in the entire series. No, and I, I, I still like you saying that. And I'm like, yeah, no, I agree. I don't like rereading two and three. I don't. I don't know if it's just because I feel like the whole Melissa, like the whole Chapman, Chapman's there. But I feel like that whole storyline gets tossed. And I don't know if that's why it makes me feel that way. Um and Tobias, book three is such an angst book. Uh, it is such yeah. an internal battle. Yeah. Like, as a child, I just didn't process it. I don't think I'd be able to handle it right now. The idea of Tobias trying to commit suicide. Yeah, it'd be... Because I remember, like, that... I don't think that hit as hard as, like... You could tell, obviously, it's a dark, dark topic. But sure. I don't think it hit like it would after hearing how the whole thing goes. Considering, like, that... It was probably mid book forty where you maybe were starting yeah. to be like, maybe they won't have a happy yeah. ending. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. I mean, like, there's even a line in book fifty four that we discussed last week where it's, um, if Tobias is still alive. Yeah. I just his storyline so sad. It is. Now, Tim, I have another... uh... (laughs) Now, I'm not going to call this a Tim Eats His Words. You, however, may (laughs) feel the need to eat these words. Um, But you did, you did in the course of picking, in the course of the conversation about favorite characters and uh, who was important, you made this statement. Oh, no. The only note I made about Cassie is that she's probably the actual hero of this story. I do remember that one. <laughs> would you would you care to comment on how you feel like that has uh, come to bear or changed in your mind? How how is that how is that prediction aged? Did for I just you? mute myself when he said that? Did I just not respond? Did I just walk away? <laughs> um. 
I, you must have. You must have because you did not say anything to me. You, it was episode one. You were being very careful not to accidentally let anything slip. Yeah, like, that went I away at some point. You and I both were very, very worried about tipping our hands on anything. To be fair, I think it took a while for us to realize that we could tip our hands and that Tim would <laughs> over his head. So that was fine. At some point, we looked, yeah. we just relaxed. Well, it didn't take long because there were two or three times in that, in that episode where each of us started to say something and then just added a little bit of vagueness to the sentence. <laughs> and Tim was like, no, I think you're right. That couldn't happen. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Two or three hours. So... <laughs> The the events of Animorphs, I don't know that I would call Cassie the true hero of the story, but they would not have been the Animorphs and would not have been successful without Cassie. I will say that. Okay, I'll, I'll accept yeah. that weasel. Yeah, that's, that is weasel. I'm trying to stay away from the whole Morphing Cube incident. <laughs> <laughs> still a little rough i still no. the cassie is not no i'm sorry and the like no that is still just like a it, it is a jk rowling moment of yeah i did something and look um it had look you can dig hard enough and find i did a good thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> cassie's better than that come on no, to be in, fair, in, she in, is. in 53 other books i say yes <laughs> I do like it, but uh, yeah, there's a, there's the way that Tim saw this book series when he first started reading it. Like Shirt Tales. (laughs) Shirt Tales? Was that what it was called? Yes. Shirt Tales. Oh, I got to find some Shirt Tales episodes. Um, But uh, like, I could not have gotten to the end of this book series without Cassie, if that makes sense. They needed a Cassie. Yeah, and I don't think I, anybody. I needed a Cassie, because I was all so gung ho on kill the Yerks, kill the Yerks, kill the Yerks, like it. I needed that, as well as the other five Animorphs. It is not just that she gave up the morphine cube. I want to be clear. She also lets a yerk fucking in her head more than one time. Like, let's be honest. Cassie does a lot of stupid shit that ends up having good consequences. But just want to reiterate, no, it's not just the morphine cube. Sorry. Look, uh, uh, you've got to take big risks for big payoffs. And what's a bigger payoff than turning a tiny little yerk into a gigantic ass whale? Um, Tim, you did get one prediction right. Uh, that shocks me to no end. In, in the first episode. Meg asked you how old you thought the kids were, and you said 12 or 13. <laughs> oh, good for you, bud. All right. Um, here are some other things Tim predicted. Oh, no. The series as a whole would uh, be a lot of 80s cartoon rules where everything resets. Yep, wrong there. You, okay, uh, you were, but also not. There are some books in the 20s to 30s where yeah. the entire plot felt pointless. But when you get done with book 54, we're in a definite different spot. There were definite yes. consequences. Yes. Uh, you also got right, technically, your first <laughs> prediction. Um, 
Meg asked you what you think happens next. You responded, Rachel turns into a cat. You f- <laughs> and Meg, Meg followed that with, you're going to be really great at these predictions, aren't you? So Meg sarcastically sees the future. <laughs> yep. <sighs> but we already yeah. know. That. Yep, that's nothing new. Um, I made a prediction. Yeah. Uh, and Tim, you'll have to tell me whether this is true or not, because I've never followed up on this with you. I predicted that around book 26, you would adopt your fursona. Um, Fuck. Because, uh, let's see here, I have this quote too. I'm now really curious about the overlap between furries and Animorphs fans, which is the first time Meg facetiously thanked me for putting an idea in her head. It's an idea that I had lost over 60-something episodes. <laughs> so thanks for putting it in my head again. You're welcome. Anytime. Um, so yeah, I, I figured around book 26, uh, you would adopt your fursona and maybe even start recording in it. Do you remember what animal I guessed your fursona would be? No, I do not remember at all. Is it dog-related? It's not. It is, however, the source, the genesis of animal trivia, a wombat. Um, ah, yeah. the, he does the, have the cute poop. poop. Yep. Yeah. You said if it were going to be anything, it would be a sloth. Yeah. I, I believe that. <laughs> that still, does yeah. sound like me. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Tim, have you become a furry because of Animorphs? I have not. I think, you know what I think? I think the thing that saved me from becoming a furry at book 26 was the diving into writing that we did for book 25. That's it took me on a different career path. It's I funny you should mention... Return Tim's birthday present and just rethink it. <laughs> <laughs> now Googling sloth onesie. <laughs> While while Meg rethinks that, uh, I had totally forgotten a conversation in this first episode in which challenging your assertion, Tim, that no book would ever have consequences. We joked about using a random number generator to pick the book you would actually read after book one instead of book two. Oh, goodness. And let me tell you, the book that it picked would have done jack shit for that assertion. (laughs) I did not realize at the time what I was doing when I used a random number generator and rolled 25. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) There is some alternate timeline in which after we did our first episode, Tim had to read the worst book and we never recorded another one again. That, that is, is that is very true. Absolute elemist bullshit. <laughs> in that reality, is, in fact, that is so funny. Brown or gray? <laughs> gray. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my god! I found a flying squirrel one. I'm no longer paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> um, while Meg continues 
down that rabbit hole. No, it's then. Not good. I'm gonna close my phone oh. and have that nice surprise in a few minutes. <laughs> one one of the things we talked about on our first trip through this book was uh, the surprising body horror of Jake as a lizard eating a spider. Oh yeah. So. After having reread or have having read or reread everything, what is the most memorable body horror moment? Oh goodness! From the series. Me, pick me, pick me. Uh, I'll take I'll take Meg. <laughs> I don't want to put ideas in his head. Like I do actually. I am curious what stands out for you before I give mine. Um. I think, wasn't there early on in the book series? A, oh, this is even better. Tim's going to invent a moment. It, I don't think it, <laughs> it yeah, I might. I might um, it's a reverse prediction. Uh, oh, no. It's a post-diction. It had, it had less to do with morphing and more to do with the battle, but I believe there was a part where where somebody lost a body, lost a limb or something. And then when they morphed back, that was when they realized that they would repair themselves. I mean, you're probably right, but like they lose. I'm not sure that those. Yeah, I'm not sure that uh, that that was when they realized that they would repair themselves. But I think it was the first time that somebody lost a limb as an animal. Was the thing that might have stood out the most to me because, you know, middle grades book. I got two. Okay. Okay. Book six. Jake gets smashed as a fly. Mm. And his friends have to carry. Oh, that's a good fly. So that he can remorph. And second one, Rachel waking up with ants all over her. Ooh, that's and a good that, one. That one was my pick. <laughs> yep, book 11. The Ant Buffet. Yeah, that one still haunts my dreams. Uh, oh, I'm glad we kicked up those memories. I had forgotten about <laughs> the ants. <laughs> but while we're talking about uh, healing up via morphine. Yeah. I have a new Elemist bullshit theory about the first book. Okay. For everyone's consideration. Okay. I, yeah, I, I want to hear this because I have... It definitely, there was something that stood out to me. Because listening back through this, all I could think was, why doesn't fucking Elfanger just morph and heal? Fucking for real. Oh, God. It's the eagles. Did we not have this conversation? No. Well, you probably couldn't Maybe with me. Maybe I just me. had this internally. Yeah. Maybe this is why, yeah. 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 And I have I have a theoretical answer, but if you guys have thoughts first. I assume that the damage was something so severe or that Jake literally got shot in the yeah. head and <laughs> yeah. Um I, I I'm yeah. pretty sure that that to, or that Elfanger was stabbed in his morph gland. I think his, his morph gland. I'm assuming that there's some kind of. I'm going to remind you that it's a fucking device. It's That's not what I'm saying. Born able yeah, to do. I, somehow, like maybe the morphing became the escafold device gives you a new gland. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, given how many times he's like jumped timelines and shit, I would not be surprised if he has some like cancer. Yeah, maybe. Some, like, radiology cancer. It's not... I'm dying. It's not because of the damage of the Yerk ship. It's because um, yeah. the Elemis keeps pulling them out. Yeah. 
Oh, well, then Scott Bakula is fucked. I mean, he, you're not yeah. wrong. I've also spent like a good chunk of my day talking um, uh, time travel and multiverses. So, like, welcome to my brain. <laughs> Here is my Elemist bullshit answer. Okay. I think when the Elemist turned him from Alfanger back into Elfanger, he was stuck as a Nothlet. Ah, uh, no, I like that. Oh, so he couldn't morph. He could never get the power back and because oh, he'd already point. been no, stuck. We'll go, we'll go one step further, and that's why Tobias is able to. No, he's able to because the Elemus. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, he took the morphing ability from Elfengor and gave it to oh, Tobias. That's how he gets the second chance. Yeah. Yeah. I like to think of it as the Elemus learned his lesson and fixed it the second time. <laughs> Either Maybe. way, I think is good. Yeah. yeah, I do like that though. That when he, I think him back. because he was a Nothlet, that's the a good the point. Elemis just snapped him back into Andalite, but didn't restore morphing no, ability. I like that. So when he got the chance with Tobias, he restored the morphing ability so that Tobias would have more flexibility and not fucking die from otherwise healable wounds, and also be able to do things like go into the Yerk pool. Yeah. Be part of the battles and not like a boring, just a bird in the sky. Eye in the yep. sky. That's what I'm looking for. No, I like that. I like that. That is a good theory. Tim, do you remember what you used to call the Yerk Pool? It was the Yerk Spa, right? The Yerk no, Day Spa. The Yerk Day Spa. <laughs> I just imagine, like, that's how I always pictured was, like, a basically a giant hot tub. Like, I just had visions of it, like, boiling and then, like, just, like, going in there and stuff. That's the... I don't think it necessarily has to be boiling, but it's just rolling because there's so many slugs in it. Uh, Maybe. But, like, that was just the image that just sort of popped in my head, you know? Like, sort of like a bog. (laughs) No Shrek comments. (laughs) Now I want waffles. <laughs> um, see a little scathing social commentary from our first episode? Tell, tell me how this one sits with both oh, of no. you. This is me quoting myself. That the world is round is not as widely accepted <laughs> as one would hope in this 2018. I, I would stand by that comment in 2021 as well. I, I feel like that comment was less true than, than <laughs> yeah. now, and unfortunately, obnoxiously precious. Yes. Considering that this past week I had to hear Tim go, I do believe the earth is round. <laughs> but, but, you know, the only time I ever say those words is right after you tell somebody about a flat earther and then just do that little point at me thing. <laughs> This is valid. This is the conversation actually that led to my saying that. So. <laughs> um, now we just need to talk about ice walls a couple of times and we'll have reenacted the whole thing. I forgot about the fucking ice walls. Damn it. Also Department of Truth. I need to go pick up the rest of that. So good. They just finished the first arc. Damn. Now I really need to pick it up. Um... I did also find something that will be, I thought the, the uh, Whip It Good Andalite that will drop 
will have dropped on uh, Instagram by the time this episode comes out might be the last. But I found inspiration for a uh, family portrait of shitty Andalites. Oh, gosh. Um, apparently, when we got to talking about that part of the book, I pictured it as four, in Tim's words, blue reindeer in front of an 80s laser background, all wearing chunky sweaters. <laughs> oh, I love it so, so much. <laughs> I think I have to draw that now. I love it so much. Um, to answer our question from episode one, Anol is actually pronounced Anole or Anole or something like that. McLeod said it right in the book. Oh. Like, what the fuck is this? Oh, the the to? the lizard. Okay, the yeah. lizard. Um, Tim, you had hoped that Rodimus Prime <laughs> might show up at some point in the series. I still hope that. Um, well, I've got bad news. <laughs> Unless he is the one. I actually go into everything hoping that Rodimus Prime shows up. <laughs> yeah, that actually tracks. That tracks. Rowdy Rodimus Prime <laughs> Piper. There, I named another one. Um, at the end of the first episode, Meg asked what each of our favorite morphs from that book was. I want to ask, what's your favorite morph from the series? I also want to ask, what would be your battle morph? I feel like we have discussed that at some point, though. But the my favorite morph in the entire series, yes, is still the dolphin. I think gut reaction. I like the kangaroo and is bummed that Cassie never broke it out again. Same. Yeah, though the kangaroo is pretty solid. Pick your own damn morph. Um, Working on it. I'm running through all the morphs as we speak. I always forget that Rachel's, like, initial battle morph was elephant. Yeah. Like, there was a point listening to this audiobook where they're, like, making fun of Jake and Marco for getting oh. trapped into the tiger. And I was like, bitch, you had to go touch a bear. <laughs> and it's like, nope, it was an elephant. Uh, the, uh, the, my favorite morph is the human that the bison turned into. Oh, Jesus Christ. Without a doubt. I think you were the only person in the world that likes that. Yeah. That's not true. (laughs) But you are in a very select minority. Uh, That was another thing that we almost spoiled, by the way, in the first episode. Jin mentioned that there were animals that morphed into humans. (laughs) And Tim never caught it. Because he was distracted by his bookmark and wondering if a cow turned into an Andalite. Oh my god. That is the most, like, me thing I've ever heard. I received an answer, but missed it because I was thinking about the cow turning into an Andalite. Meg was hopeful that a cow would join the team so that they'd stop eating fucking burgers, quote, end quote. Okay. I have to ask, and I probably should have prepped you, but repeatedly throughout recording, you did say, this is my favorite book. Yes. 
So, gut reaction. What is your favorite? Okay, one? gut reaction. Or favorite storyline, because I'm not. I'm guessing you're not going to be able to go number X. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I think it's number five. The one where Jake gets yerked. No, not number five. No, number number six, six. 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 Yeah. Yes. That would be my favorite. If I had to name one. But there's something about 54 capping everything off that was pretty fantastic as well. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, like, I honestly expected you to be like 54 because it's the last one I read. No. So I appreciate <laughs> you having a different answer. So number six, I think, is a very solid book. Yeah. Very book. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's one that... that at least based on the responses to our survey from the contest, came yes. up pretty yeah. frequently. I, yeah, there was something about the way all the characters worked and the way that they worked sort of behind the scenes of what you could see in that book. That was, that was pretty fantastic. So, Tim, yes. back in episode one, I wait, told wait, wait, you that... Wait. Alex, okay. what is your favorite book? Oh, um... What is your favorite storyline? Oh, I have another answer to that, too. Sure, go ahead. Uh, well, Alex is thinking. Marco's mom being Visser 1. I, that is yeah, a... Yeah, that, that one... Yeah, that is a good story. And when they, they revealed that one, it was such a, like, whoa moment. I really like 26... The the, uh, the Howler yeah, that's, book on the Iskrit homeworld. Yeah, that is a solid. Um, it's almost for me a toss up between that and Meg's going to give me grief for this because she's already said how much she hates this moment. <laughs> uh, book nineteen when Cassie uh, <laughs> has the yerk in her head. Okay, to be fair, I think one. That it's bullshit to say that the only risky thing, the only stupid thing that she did yeah. is to give up the Yurt Cube. But I do think that that is a very important book, and I actually really enjoy it. That was it. the Enemy Mind book, right? Where she first discovers that there are Yurks who are not necessarily... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yes. was a, that was, that's solid. Yeah. Yes. Um, although, you know, the one where she does open brain surgery on... That is also oh, yeah. very good. Pretty good, too. That is yeah. also very good. Um. All right, now may I torture Tim? Sure. Oh. Back in book one, I told you that once we had finished the series, there was a number that you would have to provide to me, Tim. <laughs> oh, no. Because you had started tallying it in the first book. through notes. <laughs> I told you, I, I quote, I do expect, when we finish the series, a final count on how many times Jake has commented on how hot his cousin <laughs> Rachel is. Uh, we, we have to end up solidly in the 30s, I think. No. That. No. Dude, that happened a, never, a lot. That happened never. multiple times in the first book. Multiple times. No, that came up more than one book. I know it did. Let's... Let's it did talk because about you the... guys like to torture me. <laughs> hey, Tim brought it up before I ever did. Did I really? Um, let's talk about. 
let's talk about the audiobook performance of that passage, shall we? I think it's really innocuous. Nothing oh, okay. happened. I remember clocking it being like, I don't understand you two. 100%. I remember reading it thinking, he definitely wants to get through this part quickly. 100%. That that is super innocuous, and nobody would give it a second thought listening to the audiobook, unless your name is Tim or Alex. At which point, it became insanely awkward in like this huge moment. Did you remember it again? Like, oh yes, yes. No, that was such a big part of the first few episodes that I was like, I don't think I'll ever forget it. But as soon as he said it, I was, oh, there he goes again. Whoa, there he goes. Look out, he thinks his cousin's hot. Whoa, Stop. there he goes. Why? Why am I still doing this? <laughs> Remember earlier in this episode when you were like, if I just laugh through this whole thing? Yeah, that would have been great. Too bad you guys aren't funny enough. Oh. It's true. Now, did you keep a record or account of anything in this series? Uh, You know what? So... The only thing that I did, I did not do from the beginning, I don't think, and that was capital D Dumpsters. What is the first memory you have of D Dumpsters? Uh, asking why it was capitalized. <laughs> like, then, do you remember Alex, which book? Uh, yeah, no, uh, I'm going to look through my notes here right quick and see if I can see it. But I, I do remember Alex very quickly saying, uh, it's because it's a brand name. And me being like, <laughs> What? <laughs> Do you remember the other brand name that you learned as a brand name in the course of this series? Yeah. Sheetrock. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Also had no idea. Just thought, like since birth, that's what we've always called it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I have no idea when I first noticed. So the first Oh, wait. Time, no, I do. When is it? Book number six, The Capture, on oh. page 25. Honey. <laughs> okay. So... so I have been doing this a lot. I'm going to tell you that you missed the first seven dumpsters. Oh, really? Because <laughs> yeah. the first time D-Dumpster is used is book four. Oh. And then it's used six times oh. in book five. Did you go back and do the thing? I the, did go back the, and count. <laughs> That's so fantastic. Um. Yes, thank you, Alex, for reminding me to count when you mentioned that you were going to ask how many times he found Rachel hot. Thank you. Yeah, the the one <sighs> note I took re-listening that I sent to Meg, not Tim, because I didn't want Tim to have any fucking warning, <laughs> was telling Meg that I was going to ask Tim how many times Jake talked about Rachel. So what is hot. the final count on capital D dumpsters? How many times do you think? Let's get a final prediction here. Seven... I went in on this action. Can I guess yeah. two? Yeah. 70. Okay. 69. Some Price is Right rolls. <laughs> no, I just wanted to say 69. Nice. Is that your final answer? 52. Okay. 52 is probably closer. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the puppy snores. <laughs> <laughs> 52 is closer but not by much the answer is 60 take a guess just okay who was the narrator where the most number of dumpsters showed up just a guess uh, Marco. Mar- Marco okay 
I will tell you that Marco had more books with the word dumpster in it. But it is a Tobias book that had 12 dumpsters in one book. Well, that is where he gets so many of his meals. It was book 49, too. It was very strange. I had to be like, really? It was that recent? No, I yeah, remember I remember that a... one because I was like, yeah. Tim, did you count all the dumpsters in this <laughs> yes. one? And Tim was like, yeah, there were like six. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, chuck it away. And like, book five has six. And... Book 30 has five, and I'm like, okay, cool. And then I get to book 49, and it's 12. <laughs> 12. And it was like, am I spelling dumpster right? Let me double check. But yeah, there's 60 in total. Applegate was swimming in that, that sweet, sweet dumpster money at that point. Do you think that was product placement? Do you think <laughs> every time she put dumpster or sheetrock or Cinnabon or Orange Julius in a book, she got like a check from... Big trash? I don't know because if you, I don't know if you wouldn't notice it maybe as much in book one, but the audiobook that we listened to is actually the version of the rewrite that came out in, I think, 2011. 2011, thank you. Yep. And, I had that note here in case we didn't get to it. Um, the, it does fix some of the uh, Applegate consistency issues, like the fact that Tobias can not hear Jake when he's not morphed but also it removes a lot of the quote unquote product placement things so like oh it removed a lot of it um yes interesting well and especially in the first I, I think there's 11 of them I don't remember how many actually came out in the 2011 run before it got canceled but it it was something across the series yeah. it also fix, fixes every time that they use spider-man Cool. Yeah, I remember reading that, like, especially references to the Sega or whatever yeah. were changed because those consoles were so old at that point. Right. No, that that makes sense. Just having them outright removed is interesting. But it's, it's for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if your dumpsters stay. We don't call them something new. <laughs> Anything else from book one, episode one, that you want to make us relive? Torture Tim Um, That is actually everything I've got from going back and re-listening to us. Cool. Uh, Anything else of note? The only other book one thing that I noticed... um, I think we, because we talked about this more in later episodes, uh, both in terms of a plot line that, that was dropped and then from sort of a social commentary point of view on just sort of the, the magical black person trope. Mm-hmm. But when Cassie is introduced, she is described as having this mystical connection to everything. Oh, yeah. And that stood out as being just utterly bizarre to me. But I think partly because we've talked about it. I wonder so if much. they meant more like just attached to nature. I've gotta I've gotta think yeah. that is what what they meant in context because She's got that monologue later in the book about how indigenous peoples used to call upon the spirits of the earth yeah. and animals. Um, 
I, I don't know that it's necessarily foreshadowing that, oh, Cassie remembers history across the multiverse because she's actually Donna yeah. Troy or whatever. Um, but because we had talked about that and because we had talked about sort of the trope of that, I, I did stick on that moment a little bit. Uh, I also wanted to just mention, because I don't know, I don't know that we got into it in the episode with Chris, but the uh, Tobias line, not all cops. Uh, I still appreciate the, the fix to that in the graphic novel. <laughs> I hope. Very cool. I am excited to see what he does oh, with man. book two. You and me too. Both. Oh, um, something that has never stuck out to me that stuck out with the audiobook. Jake's mom is a writer. I wonder what she writes. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it was like the comment about something with dinner and that she's a writer. And I was like, that's so cool. Yeah, it was it was about how she doesn't let them watch TV at yeah. dinner. She doesn't even like TV that much. She's a writer. And I remember thinking, well, that never <laughs> comes up again. No, not at all. Not at all. I wonder if there was originally a plan to do something. Maybe she was a worked for a newspaper or something. Yeah. But yeah. Do you think do you think at the end of 54 when Jake writes his book that she goes right Oh, totally. That was actually my thought. The moment that she was like, <laughs> Jake's mom is a writer. I was like, oh, so she's the one that goes writes the book. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bonding thing for them, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so, Tim, you have a young child. I do. Are you going to have him read Animorphs? Absolutely. When? When he's 38 years old. <laughs> It'll be a bonding exercise. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, Here, son, I read these books when I was your age, and now I'd like you to read them, too. I think we can all agree that he's a little too young for them now. No but... one has listened to a podcast in 20 years, but we'll record one together <laughs> with I my old but not as old as me <laughs> friends. I want a... I like that you throw that in. Thank you. I want... You're welcome. To to grasp some of the things that we've, you know, noted here. And he's got to be old enough to listen to this podcast, I... too. Oh, no, that may never happen. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, here, Parker. Here, son, listen to this podcast where they dunk on me at every chance they can. Sorry, Parker. Um... My brother and I were talking about Animorphs recently for a kind of related reason. And he's like, oh, yeah, those books seem really dumb. And I was like, how? How have I let you down at this point? You are only 16. <laughs> how have I ruined your life already? Weird. That's what Jake says to Tom. <laughs> Too soon. Funny enough, my brother will be playing Tom. Oh, that's going to be great. Yes. Did he quit the basketball team to do it? No, no. My brother has never been on the basketball team. I may try to get him to quit the tennis team to see. So he has the same. Uh, any other points that we want to bring up? Uh, the only other thing I would say about a book series as a whole is that I'm so glad that we did this. Because this has been a ton of fun. You know, it's it's one thing 
to read a book series, but to have the chance to sit down and talk about it with your friends, it's it's just been a blast to do. I was going to say that I never really realized that Andalites weren't supposed to have fur on their faces in the description in books. Yeah! Yeah! He said it's all on the horse body it's, part. Th- their skin is light blue, and once you get down below the neck, blue and tan fur shows yeah. up. I mean, we did talk with this when, when Chris came on about how, like, the first... Especially when Axe comes up, it takes a while to settle in on like what yeah. candlelight looks like. But I don't think there was ever a time when I like even going all the way back, when I like clicked for me. Oh, they don't have fur on their faces in book one. Well, uh, doesn't he Visser three in that one candlelight shot in the TV show? Doesn't he have fur on his face? <laughs> I'm not sure we should base anything <laughs> on that. <laughs> Um, no, I am, I am very glad that you enjoyed the series. It has definitely been a slight point of anxiety that we'd get to the end and that you would hate us for making you read it, oh, no. specifically me. But um, also, no, he doesn't. He's smooth on his face on the TV show. <laughs> Is he really? He's Jesus got like a little Christ. mohawk between the eye stalks. But other than that, the first starts at his neck. So he's he's smooth boy visitor three. Oh no! Not that... From the from the neck to the eye stalks. <laughs> oh my goodness! I hate this podcast sometimes. <laughs> from minute twenty two <laughs> on. Yes. Okay, so in grand tradition, are you bringing the last animal fact? Um. Yes, I am. All right. Alex's Animal Fact Corner now. I am appropriately reading from a Gizmodo article called Scientists Learn Even More About Wombats and Their Beautiful Cubed Poop. (laughs) This was posted this last Friday. Elemis bullshit. (laughs) Um... The article reminds us that a couple of years ago, scientists at Georgia Tech learned that part of the reason wombat poop is cubed is because the uh, intestines of wombats have two stiff bands of muscle or tissue and then some softer bands, and those stiff bands form the corners. Um, But... There are only two of those bands, and if you are familiar with cubes, you may know that you would need four to actually make that shape. Uh, As it turns out, while there are those two strips of, of, of stiffer tissue, the way that wombat intestines contract and the slowness with which their digestive systems process food result in the 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 finishing out of that cubed shape uh when stiff parts of the rubber band contract the soft sections are left behind and those lagging points become the remaining pair of corners on the cube Uh, interesting they're also much more efficient at digesting than humans are uh, because their digestive tracts do move things more slowly So there you have it. 
the the mysteries of cubed wombat poop are the unintentional through line <laughs> of our Atomorphs <laughs> segment of the podcast. Did I happen to ask why someone was researching this? Because if I got an it's... answer back then, then I'll go find it, I guess. But like, why? It's the engineering department of Georgia Tech wanting to figure out uh, how okay. how extruded soft goods through a Ugh. cylindrical tube uh, can result in uh, uh, corners for manufacturing processes. We actually did a check-in on wombat poop about halfway through <laughs> the podcast when that first Georgia Tech study was published. Interesting. Didn't have your answer in episode one the first time we talked about it. Huh. Had it the second time, coming full circle or full cube <laughs> now. I hate that so much. <clears throat> All right, so. I also had a thing about volcanic rats that were thought to be extinct. They're fine. Um, that's good to know. I just went rats, David storyline cool there's not really anything for Tim to predict so I guess it is time to discuss what we are doing next I think we could make Tim predict what happens in the first <laughs> one. Oh, oh my let's announce it and goodness. then make Tim predict about it alright dang I forgot the I forgot the title <laughs> oh, no. um all right, so at some point we will sit down to watch more of the Animal Show and do some kind of special episode on it. Um, we are discussing bringing Alterna Morphs back. It will happen. It's just a matter of... Do not be Googling, Timothy. Nope, nope, nope. Hands, okay. hands, hands are up in the air. No Googles. I am... I will say this as the person who, who runs the game... I am not, like, a creative writer type. All of the game design stuff, like, even the, the premise for Book 25, when we did it, all of that is, and any other time I've DM'd, that's always stuff that, like, at night when I'm driving home from rehearsal and kind of tired, but also kind of, like, jazzed because I'm, you know, coming from rehearsal, that's when normally, like, I'm good at that kind of thing. And even though, yes, we started this in pandemic, like a lot of the thought on how to build it, I had already done on those drives earlier last year. I don't know how to push that without that weird, I'm tired, but wired space. I feel like that should be <laughs> constant life. Eh, but right now it's existential and not just i need some fucking sleep gotcha um i don't know it it's i think i've said before like it's just on me uh uh actually planning what comes next because we were almost to the end of what i had planned and i just i need to to figure out how to prime that part of my brain again at the very least, it would be fun to finish the arc out. So, um, at some point, that will hopefully happen. It um, will. What we are planning to do next is 
that we have come across an Animorphs off-brand series and shockingly found copies of the off-brand series. Four complete sets. Yes. So we will have a guest host for a few episodes um, to come and discuss Humanomorphs with us by M.D. Spencer. And our guest host is the one and only Chris Grine, which is incredibly exciting. Um, the first book is called The Secret of Bearhead Holler. I'm sitting here like Holler Bear. Holler Bear. I remember Holler Bear. Okay. <laughs> Holler Bear. Holler Bear. Aya Boo Boo. It's the Ranger. There is actually one review of this on uh, Goodreads. Yeah, wow. shockingly, like nineteen people have rated this. Two people have reviewed it. There is actually a review that you can read of this book. Um, string. Not you, Tim. Not me. Not no. you. <laughs> okay, so the book is called Humanomorphs. So I'm gonna assume that the concept is that we turn into people instead of animals. I feel like that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Um, and it's The Secret of Bearhead Holler. Right? Did I say that right? Bearhead Holler. You did. Yep. Okay. Do you have the cover art in front of you? Too? I don't. I don't have it with me right now. That's okay. It's in the other room. Um, so I'm assuming that there's something in a cave that we're trying to retrieve or we're trying to save somebody from a cave and at some point somebody's going to turn into a park ranger these are All my right. these are my guesses i don't know yogi <laughs> this is this is i have literally zero idea on what this book series is about what's funny i just is... put the cover in our in our chat okay. in discord let me let me take a look what is, what is amusing is that it's no more off than i was before um i feel like as batshit as animorphs is when you finish animorphs you go ah oh look a cave there is logic and i feel like with humanomorphs but that does not especially look... book six <laughs> i don't know if you've looked at the back cover of book six book six is literally just on the back cover. The entire story is there. And I love it so much. I'm very excited to read these batshit books. Okay. I don't know why, but I, the entire time this has been on my radar, for no reason, like I have literally nothing that has told me this, have assumed that these are going to be like vaguely Christian fundamentalist. I assumed that they would be of a certain time period too. And Looking at this cover, I don't think they're going to know what a park ranger is. So I I think I'm... I do see a cave. But... I I somehow think I whiffed on that one. Yeah, I don't know what time period this is going to be. Now, I want to I wanna ask a question, Tim. On this cover, we see... A younger girl... And an older woman and a mid-stage morph yes. between them. Which direction do you think they uh, go? I, th oh, I think it goes young girl to old woman. 
You think a younger girl turns yes. into an older woman. And not through just like the passage of <laughs> no. 60 years of time. <laughs> no, I, I think that it's probably a group of kids who... Uh, Do you think these kids know each pose other? Pose as adults. Uh, I think that two of them are probably friends. One of them might be a cousin. And that cousin might have a best friend. And, and one of the other two best friends might be into her. And then the fifth kid, he, he doesn't really know where he you comes from. fucking <laughs> shithead. I have two follow-up questions. The two friends, can they beat the sleaze trolls? Yes. Oh, wait. Second question is the cousin hot. <laughs> there, there's something about a fjord after the sleaze troll or something like that, too. I don't remember. Nether the fjord, fjord, that's fjord. what it was. <laughs> How do you think they get these morphing powers? Possessed by the spirits of dead people. Uh, no. They find it. It's an it's an ancient relic that they stumble upon in somebody's attic. All right. And do you think Aliens. they can turn into like is this an animorphs DNA thing, or is this like a I just see you and I can no, turn into I, you, or is this just I think like a, be, I can turn into anything? I think it'd be creepy if they have to touch people. Be any anything beyond a handshake? Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe, probably. Hey, did <laughs> I, I? I I gotta give this to our boy McLeod. He did not make the pleasure pleasurable tingles weird. Oh. He did not. That yeah, did not that register. did not even. Yeah. Um, yep. Well done. Well I think they're channeling done. their ancestors through some sort of genetic memory. <laughs> oh, that's you think that's how it is for all of them? Yes. Cool. <laughs> Otherwise, there are no rules, and it's <laughs> all made up. <laughs> Uh, I have one. Do, do we have a a, a publication yes. date for this? Because uh, that'll shape some of my um, answers too. <laughs> Sorry, this was published January first in the year of our Lord two thousand. Okay, this book is right. old enough to drink. This book is how we started the new millennium. <laughs> This, so what's like, that your calendars can we, count this far oh good <laughs> we we had this conversation about things from the middle the middle 1980s yeah but uh, there's no way to, to be I, an I animal like knockoff and also be from the mid 80s which would have been confusing to me also i just wanted to make sure because that cover <laughs> You could have told me that covers from no, 1955. No, to be fair, I, I am looking at this it. on Goodreads, which is telling me that it was first published in January 1st of 2000. I'm not 100% sure because the book is downstairs. Amazon said the same thing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah. time-wise, yeah. that tracks. All right. So, anything anybody would like to plug? Alex? Uh, let's see. This episode comes out on... February the 9th? No. 17th? 16th. So we have just released the 
250th episode of Panelology. Congratulations. Oh, wow. Uh, and we have just announced that Panelology is joining uh, the Certain POV Network. I'm so shocked. Uh, is, what? Uh, also <laughs> host two judging book covers in the Rob Thomas No Not That One Robcast. Definitely went to that meeting. Definitely wasn't yes. accidentally watching the Good Place finale, thinking that it was starting thirty minutes after it started. Apparently, every meeting we've had has started at the same time. I swear to God, <laughs> if I had not looked at my calendar, I also would have been half an hour late to it. Literally, write it down at six thirty every time. I don't know what it is, but that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I couldn't turn off the series finale of the Good Place. No, I've been on time and taken minutes for the last six of them. Still could have gun to my head. Thought those meetings started at 6.30 or 7. Yeah. This is why I have a calendar. All right, Timothy, anything to promote? I think that you have mentioned sporadic phantoms previously on this podcast. Yes, in fact, if you listened all the way through the last episode, you could have heard a trailer. And the episode two before that. Uh. I think it'd be a good idea for everybody to jump on that sporadic phantoms train wagon, wagon now train. Yeah, no, it's a wagon. It's a wagon in my head, Cannon. And like a little red one. A little red wagon. Okay. But no, I listened to the first episode and it's a ton of fun. Yeah, that is where my brother apparently will be playing Tom. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, if you like animorphs, if you like audio dramas, go check out sporadic phantoms, please. Um, I, episode two, uh, it will not be out by the time that this is released, but it will be coming soon. Mm-hmm. I think it comes out the week after this is released. So yeah. Um, also judging book covers. Yeah. Go check that out. Also, um, by the time this has come out, I was on another pass, um, which is also another certain POV network episode, um, show. And talked about the snowman, and I have to say that on top of talking about a movie that I just absolutely love because it is absolute batshit, the fixes that we made to the movie are something that like I have thought about every single day since recording. <laughs> you also did screen snark recently. I did also do screen snark recently, which will, yeah, it'll. I guess it'll be a couple weeks by the time this comes out, where I went on to talk about um, promising young women. Um, so trigger warning that is a movie about a rape revenge so um but yeah absolutely delightful i went and talked about things that aren't books yes it is a movie based on a book i have not read the book this counts (laughs) (laughs) let the record reflect so reflected so yeah we will be back in two weeks to discuss humanimores my brain can't process that. I'm sorry. There was an actual <laughs> block of so like. So excited about this. I literally like went. I knew it was in my apartment, these six books. No idea where they were because they were like hidden on a back shelf and yeah. next to my roommate's desk. And so like was talking to my roommate and was like, oh, now you guys made your appearance. Cool. Cool. <laughs> they know it's time. So, yeah. When you need them, they appear. Yeah. Um, so yeah, see you guys in two weeks. Yep. 
Are you done with your catchphrase? That's no longer getting put into the episode. Well, we normally say our names. Yeah. Is that how we usually end this podcast? I don't fucking yeah. know. I'm brain dead. Humanimorphs has like killed my brain. <laughs> and you haven't even read it no, yet. My no. catchphrase never dies. Uh, my name was Alex. No, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You win. I don't know. Do you start it even if someone else is hosting it? I cannot explain to you how much my brain is like fighting right now. No, you go first. Okay. No. Fuck. Okay. No, it's it's the host goes first. Then I'm always second for some reason. It's just how we've done it. I don't know what is wrong. Okay. I've I guess with (laughs) Megan, I'm actually no longer (laughs) certain that is true. I am quite positive that my name is Alex. I am now. And will always be Tim. <laughs> yes. We're Tim. And until then, we fight. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>